0: Come on, we like to make some noise for our kids. We're excited about what God's going to do in their hearts and lives tonight as we gather together. It's an important part of our church that kids just aren't going to child care, but they're going to their own God encounter. That, that uh, we love the story in the Old Testament where, where God begins to, to, to speak to little Samuel. And, and even as a child, he could hear God's voice. And so we want to raise up a generation that, that hearing the voice of God is, is, uh, is not foreign to them, but is the norm for them. There's a sense of expectancy and a sense of Familiarity with, with walking with God. And so we're excited that you're here, and uh, we are we're kind of getting back on track for our uh, our series. How many of you were here last week? We kind of put it on pause a little bit. How, how many people here had an encounter with God last week? Put your hand up. Just I'm not going to ask you to say anything, but come on. We talked about it was good last week. God really spoke. Spoke to me. We talked about the lie of yesterday, and we talked about the, the lie of disappointment. The one we didn't get to, some people were asking me at the end of the service because there were really three that I felt like God had shared with me. We'll see if we can figure out a way to come back to that was the lie of affliction it's it's the lie that the devil tries to get us to believe that when we're going through hardship when we're in a place of innocence th- that it is because God has abandoned us if you've ever felt that temptation before I know that I've felt that temptation before you know a lot of times we go through hardship in life b- because we have to learn our lesson right we even as adults we make mistakes and sometimes God asks us to walk through consequences but then there's times in life where we walk through hardship and we're innocent right w- where we've not done anything wrong we're Maybe it's the mistakes of others that have spilled over into our lives, and and in those moments, the, the enemy likes to come in and whisper in our ear that we've been forsaken or we've been forgotten, and that's a lie that the enemy tries to whisper to us, and so if, if that's something that you're suffering with, uh, feel free. I'd love to talk with you more about that, and we could pray over you like we got to pray over people last week, and so I just wanted to throw that out before we got back into our into our, our message uh, tonight, so I'm not sure we're going to get through all of this tonight. We don't want to rush through it, so it might end up being a a two-parter, but uh, we've we've entitled this series next. It's based out of Matthew 13:52, and this is an important text for us because it's the it's the parable of the of the of the homeowner that it's it says here in verse 52 that he brings treasures out of his storeroom, treasures that are new and old, and and that's instructive to us as a church to remind us that there are things that we treasure that are new that mean that they only last for a season. Like We use it as an example the kind of music that, we, that we're worshiping with. That, that we call that a generational tether. Our worship music belongs to our youth. It belongs to our young people. And uh, if we're using the same music today, uh, that, uh, 10 years from now that we're doing today, we've done something terribly wrong. Does that make sense? So the kind of music. Worship is an old treasure. The kind of music is a new treasure. Does that make sense? You're tracking? And so part of the series is this idea of next, is that no matter where we go as a church, no, no matter what we're teaching about, no matter what our our, our new treasure of the moment is going to be, there are there are going to be old treasures. No matter where we go next, there are going to be some treasures that we carry with us and take with us. And we talked about unity, and the and the one we're going to talk a little bit tonight about is about spiritual language. And I think it's going to carry over into next week. We'll see how the how the clock treats us. But uh, and then we we had planned to do worship, generosity, and rest. If we don't get to those those things, will probably push to the fall when we do our next welcome weekend. But I just I wanted to remind everybody, you know, part of this series is, is we gave a challenge that if you've never been to our Williamsburg campus, we want you to go to the Williamsburg campus at least once doing, during this series. So over the next couple of weeks between now and Father's Day weekend, that we want to encourage not to, not don't go here and go there, but we want to encourage you to double dip. We call it, right, because two scoops of ice cream is always better than one, right? So we're going to encourage you to double dip. And so some people are in Williamsburg have been coming on Saturday night and then coming on Sunday morning. And so so we just want to encourage you that during during this series that at some point you're going to treat yourself to those two experiences and then encourage what's happening there in Williamsburg. There's great things. Pastor Jamie and Michelle are just doing a wonderful job there. So, And that this hashtag pick me is that during the series all the pictures in the media when we get into the teaching are pictures that people have posted to the City Life Church Facebook page and put hashtag pick me. Some of the pictures that we're using tonight that some of your friends that have, have betrayed you have put pictures of you on the City Life or they have sent it to me privately so you didn't know that it was coming, so we'll see, maybe some of those tonight, because that's how we do it here at the City Life Church. Okay, especially if you saw Nate's posting of me on Facebook, right, we like to give each other a hard time, anybody see that already? I know, I know, it's good, it's good, we like to laugh a little bit, if you can't laugh at yourself, then this isn't the church for you, come on, All right. So so let's get into our teaching tonight. So so I want to make this comment too. You know, last weekend for us was intensely experiential, and those are important weekends for us because those weekends that are intensely experiential help us to move forward and gain great ground in our spiritual journey. Th- those are weekends where, where, where God sets us free from things that that we have this we we have a sense I'm leaving different than I came. Right, You with me? If you were here, you know those weekends, and we have those weekends as, as a church. Some of you, maybe you left last weekend and said, I wish every weekend was like that. And, and what I would say to you is that, that there are weekends that are intensely experiential to move us forward, but it's weekends like this that are intensely instructive, that are teaching, have a teaching focus, that enable us to keep the ground we gain. You, if you have an experiential, if all that you have is an experience, you're never going to keep the ground that you gain because the principles of God's word become, that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus says, all right, upon this rock, he gives us the, the, the metaphor of the house that's built on seeking stand and then the house that's built on the, on, the, on the rock, which is this idea of hearing what God says and then making a decision to walk that out. And so, the, so there's lots of weekends that are intensely instructive. There's lots of weekends where we dig deep down into God's word because we want to be a church. We don't want to be a biblically illiterate church. And by getting hold of the principles and the truths of God's word, it enables you to build your life and, and maintain the ground that you gain. All right, so so, so we're, we're talking a little bit about spiritual language tonight. And, and this idea of spiritual language is directly connected to to one of the four baptisms that the bible speaks of now now you maybe have not thought about the bible having multiple baptisms that it speaks of hebrews 6 chapter 2 if you're a note taker tonight right here the writer of hebrews talks about he uses the word baptism but they used it in the plural there are baptisms it's the part in hebrews where where he says hey let's not keep going over the basics anymore and then he lists some of the basics so there's an assumption on the on the basis of the writer of hebrews that that one of the fundamental just the one the one of the basic concepts of Christianity is that there are multiple baptisms. He doesn't talk about all the baptisms he just says that there are many and then that it's our responsibility to go and dig around in God's Word to find them and I agree with Larry Kreider he's a great biblical teacher in our modern world he he identifies these four texts as the four basic places where you see the four main baptisms that the Bible teaches us one is our baptism of water which we're getting ready to do if you've not been water baptized you need to join us you need to come to that class that's going to be a great day of celebrating something that's that there's an experience in It's waiting for you in those waters, and we hope that you'll wade out into those waters. And there's a water slide, and we're going to let you use that if you want to, just saying. Okay, all right, just a little advertisement there for you. So Matthew 18 Nineteen. There's a there, your water baptism, which is your an outward expression. That's an outward example of something that's happening on the inside when you make a vow of devotion to Christ. First Corinthians twelve thirteen. The apostle Paul talks about this idea of being baptized into the church. When you when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, Jesus just didn't die to to to, to, to reconcile you to the Father. He died to reconcile you to a spiritual family that that we weren't designed to live our lives as spiritual orphans. And the Greek the word baptize is baptizo, and it means to be made fully wet that, and that's a great metaphor for us that when we make a vow of devotion to Christ we're supposed to be immerse ourselves into this life as a disciple of Christ and then we're supposed to immerse ourselves into life in a church family and then we don't like this third one but it's in there it's Luke three sixteen that it talks about that, that uh, John the Baptist said when, when, when Jesus comes he's going to baptize us with the spirit but he's also going to baptize us with fire and sometimes people make the mistake of saying well he's just talking more about this idea a baptism in the spirit because on Acts chapter 2 which we'll get to there were tongues of fire that were there but I don't think that's the right rendering of the text and there are many others that don't as well that's a second baptism and as you continue reading in Luke chapter 3 Luke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit begins to talk about suffering he begins to talk about trials and I believe that he's writing that because he's saying hey I want you to understand I'm talking about a different kind of baptism here this idea of a baptism of fire let me explain it to you and he goes on and he talks about trials and difficulties which is oftentimes the place where the enemy comes in and gives us the lie of being forsaken by God acts 1 5 then there is this thing called the baptism in the spirit and we're going to work through five questions together that I've gotten as a, as a pastor that, that, uh, that, that, that oftentimes people say that, that, that tell me, when, when, when they're hearing about the baptism of the Spirit, they say, well, tell me this. And so we're going to work through those five. Well, I, I think we might get through about three of them tonight. But there, there is an experience that God wants you to have on the other side of making a vow of devotion to Christ. That's an encounter with His Spirit that does remarkable things in our lives so father as we dig into this word together tonight as we open up your truth just as vanessa said during the worship wrap-up that 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 tonight would be a night where we would taste and see that you are good that your word is good, that, that Jesus, when you were encountering the enemy, that you said that man should not live by bread alone, but, but, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Father, we, we come to your table tonight and we want to come hungry. We want to come with, a, with an appetite. We want to come with a sense of, of expectation that you want to feed us, that you want your truths to get deep down into side of us, to not just be in our head, but to be in our heart. We want your truth to take root. We want your truth to be fruit we want your truth to be a, 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 a sack of seed that is dumped inside of us that's just going to cause us to grow come on in Jesus' name and everybody said together amen all right you ready all right so I love this quote by Max Lucado it says "Box sized gods you'll find them in the tight grip of people who prefer a god they can manage control and predict this topsy-turvy life requires a tame deity doesn't it in a world out of control, we need a God we can control, a comforting presence akin to a lap dog or a kitchen cat. We call and he comes. We pet, he purrs. If we could just keep God in his place. You know, I think sometimes that when we make a vow, of devotion to Christ, that, 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 that we're excited about the idea of going to heaven but we're not necessarily excited about the authority of the one who's in heaven governing our lives. That that we're excited about the benefit that we get of knowing where we're going after we breathe our last breath, But but we're not necessarily overly excited about the idea of someone who is the sovereign creator of the universe coming in and then us having a sense of total submission, us having a sense of complete and total deference to him. And Acts five thirty two again. If you're a note taker, we're not going to go there, but I'm throwing that up there for you. the The Apostle Paul is 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 a, is the, it's the book of Acts. If you've not read it, is such an amazing story about his life that's given to us uh, by, about the early church, and then it gets into into Paul. It's written by Luke, the same person that, that wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the, right here it says that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey Him, and 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 that's an important distinction for us. Because the Bible, as we get into it tonight, you're going to see the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit and experiences, encounters that we have with the Holy Spirit in three very distinct ways. It talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon people. And when we make a vow of devotion to Christ In in, uh, Jesus' teaching of Nicodemus It talks about the the Spirit of God Coming and living inside of us So there's the Holy Spirit comes upon people That's what you saw in the Old Testament There's the Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of God The Spirit of God living inside of us That's what happens when you make a vow of devotion to Christ And then there's this other phrase Where it talks about being filled with the Spirit And those are three very distinct phrases It's important that we understand The difference between those three And we're going to get into that tonight together this, This This idea of being filled with the Spirit is something that happens to us after we make a vow of devotion to Christ because the Spirit of God is already living inside of us. But before you make a vow of devotion to Christ, you are a candidate for the Spirit of God to come upon you. To, but, but the Spirit of God's not going to live inside of you until you make a vow of devotion to Christ. Now, that's another sermon for another time of why that's important. We're going to get into that the entire summer series, is this idea of being rescued. And we're going to talk about that, why the Holy Spirit couldn't come and live inside of us until after Jesus died on the cross. But this idea in Acts 5.32 is 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 the Holy Spirit trying to help us to understand that when you make a vow of devotion to Christ and He comes and He lives inside of us, there is a place of obedience that we've got to be willing to step into if we're going to experience moments of infilling? That, that, that i was watching a teaching that uh, stephanie birch raise your hand stephanie she sent me this link to a video series i've just watched the first one i don't want to recommend it yet because i haven't watched the rest of them but they're good so far they're good so far and and the person teaching had this awesome illustration to help people understand the difference between the the indwelling spirit that happens at salvation and then this idea of being filled he talked about a snow globe how many of you have ever had a snow globe before right yeah, and, and and so you've got this snow globe, and 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 all the the snow is kind of on the bottom of it, and it's in there, right? All, all the snow that's supposed to be air and, and there is in there, and then when you shake it up all of a sudden that snow gets stirred up in there and it fills the entire globe. It's a great picture, isn't it? Because we've all seen that before. If you've never seen that before, sign up out the front. We want to buy you a snow globe, right? Because it's not right that you've lived so long and never seen that happen, right? All right. So, but that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of us. That when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us, but then there are moments where the Spirit of God is supposed to be stirred up inside of us and begin to wash over every part of who we are. It's why Jesus calls it being baptized in the Spirit, because baptizo means to be made fully wet. And so there's this idea that the Spirit of God is inside of me, but, but we like Him to be compartmentalized, because like Max Locato's quote, we like Him to be in His box, right? It's like the the safe room in the movie I Am Legend. We want to keep him in the basement. And we want to know that he cannot get out unless we want him to, right? But that's not the nature of God. That's not the nature of who God is. Don't you? I just love the fact that the sovereign creator of the universe says to you, and he says to me, I am content to just get a foothold in your life if that's where it starts. Because right? what he could have said, I'm not coming and living inside of you until I've got access to all of who you are. But that's not a loving father. Right? It's like if you're a parent, you, you say, I just want a foothold in the heart of the life of my child so that I can have a place of influence and then work my way farther from there. It's the same with our Heavenly Father. But by his spirit, he says, when we make a vow of devotion to Christ, his spirit comes and lives inside of us with the hope and the expectation that there's going to be greater moments of surrender, deeper places of deference, deeper places of of greater places of surrendering myself to Him so that the Spirit of God can wash over all of who I am. I made a vow of devotion to Christ. I'm going to tell this story this summer. Many of you have heard it before. It was in December of 1990 at the the church that I was attending then with my parents. I was 23, 23 years old, and and uh, and and soon after that, it was a church much like this that taught on things like we're teaching tonight, and and uh, and and I knew that there was a there was an encounter with the Holy Spirit that that was waiting for me. This this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so one Sunday morning, we, we, that was back in the day, right when you went to church Sunday morning and and Sunday night and 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 Wednesday. Wednesday night, and so they, they had a guest speaker that came in Sunday morning. How many of you? I'm so glad those days are over. Praise God! Right? Come on, right? Because we were with each other so much, we were never with anybody in the world. Right? You're with me, right? Come on. We're supposed to be out there, not in here all the time. So, so, so we we went Sunday morning, and and they had a guest speaker and uh and so they said hey he's going to be coming back tonight and and he's going to be teaching on the baptism of the holy spirit and just something inside of me just stirred with great expectation that that some, that, that i was going to encounter god in a, in a very unique way that night and it was interesting because if if you come out of a, a background like i came out of which was one that's that's not very pretty in the 23 years that i spent away from christ was was running as far from god as i could and, and, and my life was an ugly life that i lived and when you when when you initially step out of that, if, if you if that's part of your journey, there's a gravitational pull to your past. Are you with me? It's 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 like the science fiction movies where there's a black hole and you're you right and Scotty's giving it all that he can, but you just can't seem like you can you can break free. And 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 and, and there are moments where the enemy comes and he presses you all the harder. And I remember that day just facing temptation after temptation after temptation to, like, like I had never experienced before um, and since I had made a vow of devotion to Christ back in December. This was now in March of, of 1991. And this, there was just this struggle, and I remember just God whispering, right? It's, it's the phrases that we teach here that, the, that you find in Ephesians and in 1 Peter, st- uh, be, be strong and stand firm. And and there's moments where you just have to dig in your heels and say, I am not going back there. I'm not going to go back and do those things. I'm not that person anymore, right? Maybe that's for some of you here tonight. That it's been a day like that for you, and you're saying, I'm walking out of that stuff. I'm not walking back in to those places that I just got set free from. And so I had to I had to really contend for myself. For, for that day. And so, so I, and I think that's connected to Acts 5.32, because I think the Holy Spirit's saying, Fred, if you want to experience me in deeper ways, you've you got to be willing to obey me, right? you got to be willing to say yes to the things you're supposed to say yes to, and no to the things you got to say no to. That doesn't affect my salvation, it doesn't. Once I make a vow of devotion to Christ, my obedience doesn't hold my, my, my future, but you better believe it affects my present. You better believe it affects the the encounters that that I'm going to have with God is the choices that I'm going to make. We we love to say that that perfect grace is perfect because it loves us enough not to leave us the way that we are. And and this discovering deeper places of obedience positions me for the snow globe of my life to be shaken up and for the Spirit of God to begin to wash over me. And I remember sitting out in a chair, just like you're sitting in a chair. Although they had 1970s uh, gymnasium orange carpet in there, which which I think was a great impediment to many moves of God that could have happened. So, so right, and, and, and so so I'm in there, and so he teaches a lot of what we're teaching tonight. And and at the end, the worship team comes up, and and uh, and and they had an opportunity for people to come forward, and and so I I I was the first one up there, right? I, I just I couldn't wait, and I, I talked to you about that, right? Moments where we invite you to come forward, we say to you hey, don't wait for other people. Get up there, right? If God's speaking to your heart, we, we have an altar culture here. Come up. And there's, if God's calling you, it's not that you can't experience Him there, but if He's calling you up here, there's a reason why He's calling you up here. It's to condition our heart, to obey Him. And when you obey Him, you step into deeper places of experiencing the Spirit of God living inside of you and so i went up there and and they were they were as you see us do sometimes there were people just working the crowd and and just praying over people and i was just standing there worshiping and all of a sudden i I felt something i had never felt before it was a warmth that i've never felt before and never felt since that just came over me it was it it was on the back of my neck and on my shoulders it was just an intense heat that that was just absolutely comforting all the way to the core of who i was it was like I was standing. Like I, I, I didn't want to open my eyes because I knew God was right there, right? And I was going to burn up or something was going to happen to me because I was experiencing the glory of God in such a real way. And then all of a sudden, as I was worshiping, that there was just a language that just began to, 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 to come from deep inside of me. And, and the, the language of this earth was not big enough anymore to articulate and express the thoughts and the feelings that I was having with God. Now, you might say, well, if you didn't understand it, how can it be meaningful? You've got to come back next week to get that part. So I'm just giving you a little shameless plug there. So, so, so but I, I, I just got just a couple of syllables. I'm going to tell you what those syllables are because I know some people in here, you've, you've never heard anybody use a spiritual language before. And, and what you need to see is that my head's not going to spin around, right? My eyes aren't going to roll back in my head, and you're not going to die right, and, and, and in spite of maybe you've been taught before, and so these little syllables were shunda, makila, kunda, shunda, that's all, it's just, it's just a little phrase, I wore that phrase out, Are you with me, That's, I mean, I just used it and used it and used it. It's like when you were, if if you're a parent of young children, if you're a grandparent around little children, they've got a few phrases or a few words, right? And they just use them over and over and over. And then all of a sudden those phrases get to be bigger phrases. And the next thing you know, they're having adult conversations with you. And I, I think the same is true with your spiritual language. When, when I worship now or, or when I'm in a place of prayer, I'm so much, I just would rather, it's a lot of work conjugating verbs and right figuring out. It's, but when you, you can just give yourself to this moment of expression that's so liberating and so free. I, I think spiritual language is one of the most practical things that you'll ever read about in this book. Most practical things. Why, why wouldn't the creator of the universe give us a gift that enables us to communicate and express ourselves to him in a way that is un- unencumbered by earthly language and human intellect. Why wouldn't he do that? It just makes perfect sense to me. So is it different from my vow of devotion to Jesus? This is, we like to dress up for the Harvest Festival every year. We told Tyler he should dress up, but he said he was just going to wear what he normally sleeps in every night. So we said, all right, it's up to you. It's up to you. So, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, I know. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, there's JJ, there's Ethan. I'm not going to say all the names because we don't have time for that. Okay. Is it different from my vow of devotion to Jesus? And, and so we've established a little of that. And, and I love this picture here, right? I know, yeah. There, Steve, raise your hand, buddy. I know. Shame, his head hung low. I put his picture there with the picture on top because in school, that was the last thing that kids like this saw right before he took their lunch money. So, Right. That's where he says, if you were to die today, and not because he was leading them in a moment of evangelism, right? Okay. So, so John 20, 19 to 22, John 20, 19 to 22, that we believe this is the textual reference for where the the disciples experienced the indwelling spirit of God for the very first time. So, Jesus dies on the cross, he raises himself from the dead, He, he, he begins to appear, he appears for 40 days. We're going to talk about that in just a second when we talk about the Feast of Pentecost. Everything about the Bible is instructive for us. And so it says that he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now everything about that encounter, everything about the language in the Greek, when you study it, it's not about you're going to receive, it's not about one day you might. It's a command where he says, receive it, and, and, and you could even write in your Bible, receive it now. And then just to make sure that we're not confused, he does something. It says he breathes on them. Now I think because these people were steeped in the study of the Hebrew scriptures, I think as soon as he did that, I think they went all the way back to Genesis. You with me? That that when he takes the dust of the earth, the Father in the beginning of time, in the Garden of of Eden, it, it says that he breathed on him. The nuach, akodesh in the Hebrew the breath of god it's powerful isn't it that when adam and eve sinned in the garden of eden there was a spiritual death that took place and even though the spirit of god would come upon people that he no longer lived inside of people anymore like adam and eve experienced there was a physical their 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 physical life didn't come to an end but their spiritual life came to an end and it wasn't until jesus came to the cross could we one day step back into the place of Eden so the, the Ruach HaKodesh could be breathed on us? And you see it right here in the very first time. It's powerful. When you begin to connect the story of the old with the story of the new and see the prophetic symbolism of the old that gives us understanding for what's happening in the present. And in this moment, these rooms of Adams and Eves that were all there gathered together because now Jesus had paid the redemptive price for the sins of the world that the Spirit of God was outside of the temple where God was just waiting to get out of because He created us to live inside of us. And He was here again. Now, Jesus died during the feast of Passover. Every Christian church loves to teach and study and dig in deep into the symbolism of why he died at Passover. We're going to be digging into that deep in our summer series. But for some reason, when it comes to what happens at Pentecost, people shy away from that, or they don't teach, or they've never taken the time to learn. But everything in the Bible is instructive. Everything about God, there's nothing nothing lackadaisical about him. He's intentional in every way. And Jesus died intentionally right in the middle of the field. Feast of Passover and the the first recording experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit could have happened any time but it didn't happen any time it happened during the Feast of Pentecost and there's a reason for that because just as we understand what Jesus did for us on the cross through the study of the feast of the Jewish Passover we can begin to understand this idea of the baptism of the Spirit when we begin to study the purpose and the meaningfulness of the Feast of Pentecost Penta means 50 the Feast of Pentecost happened 50 days after the Feast of Passover Now, I think that they experienced this encounter, their first experience of infilling the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think it happened at the Feast of Pentecost for a few reasons. One of them is I think that God put it 50 days out because he wanted us to see that they're not the same thing. They might happen at the same time for you. They, they might coincide for you, but just because they coincide doesn't make them any less different. So God says, hey, I want there to be clarity. I want there to be understanding. And so, so we're going to have this first indwelling as part of Passover that's going to happen in John 20, where Jesus breathed, but I'm going to make them wait. I'm going to make them wait because I want the world to understand that there is something else that they should be longing for. And so because that, 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 that we know that it says that Jesus appeared for 40 days, the Bible tells us that. And then the Feast of Pentecost happened where, where the birthing of the church and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that that was 50 days. We know that there was a 10-day place where they were waiting between the ascension of Christ. They waited for 10 days in a place of prayer. They were ministering. They were teaching. They were reaching out to their city, but they kept coming back to this place. They had been given the Great Commission, but Christ had put the Great Commission on hold until they were filled up. He was already living in there, but the snow globe needed to get shaken around. The Feast of Pentecost, the two great moments of symbolism for us, which is understood through the practice of the feast, is one, this is one of the first harvest of the harvesting seasons of the ancient world. And so during this first harvest, there was an offering that was brought. It was a first fruits offering. It was their way of saying, We know that, that in order for us to live, right, because they didn't have aisle 14 at whatever grocery store that you go to, we can just get whatever food. If the, if the field did not produce, people could die. And so in this initial harvest, there would be a temptation to hold on to as much as they could for fear that maybe later harvests might not come. But God demanded of them, no, I want you to learn how to trust me. And so I'm going to ask you to give a a first fruits offering out of this initial harvest and trust it. I'm going to bless the harvests that are to come. We also know that that the, the Mosaic law was given to Moses on the mountain 50 days after Exodus. 50 days. So, Feast of Pentecost has a twofold meaning. It's to celebrate the first fruits offering of this initial harvest as a declaration of faith and trust in God. And it was also a way for the Jewish culture to celebrate the giving of the law. So, why did God create the experience of the first recorded baptism of the Holy Spirit right on top of this feast? I believe one is because he wants us to see that the birthing of the church is, in and of itself, a first fruits offering that there is a gathering together of the, uh, the initial followers of Christ that are to be an offering unto the Lord, that, that, are, that, are, that are setting themselves apart and saying, we're going to give our lives to the work of the kingdom. It was, this, it was the very first group of people that said that we believe we have a divine destiny, we believe that we have a divine calling. There, there, is, a, there is an offering that's happening of their lives that's supposed to happen in us. It happens during the Feast of Pentecost because we know that they stepped out and Peter offered the first sermon of the first church and, and it says that 3,000 people made decisions for Christ that day. Come on. Right? That's why pastors count because it's right in the Bible. We like to know. All right. There, there, was, a, there was a harvest that happened on that day. Jesus gave the Great Commission during his ascension. And that's recorded for us in both Mark and Matthew. But then in Acts, we're going to get to that slide. In Acts chapter 1, we find that he had something else to say. Okay, You've got to read the whole Bible, not just the parts that agree with what you believe. There, there was more to the speech that day. And one of the things he said is, hey, don't go out there yet because you're not ready. You've got to wait. I'm living inside of you, but there's another experience, there's another encounter that you need. Not just so that you can begin to experience the the depth of righteousness that's possible in this life, but so that you have the power that you need to go out and harvest in this world. That's that last point up there about the gospel. The gospel means it means good news. It's not just the good news that we can go to heaven when we die. It's the good news that there is a measure of heaven that we can have today. It's why our vision statement as a church is heaven now, heaven forever. That, that part of the gifting and the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to take us into the deeper places of walking with Christ. Randy Hurst says we don't get more of God, he gets more of us love that he's a great theologian out of the assemblies of god matthew 3 acts 1 and luke 24 are three significantly instructive texts that help us to understand that that that, the the experience that we have with the holy spirit at salvation is very different from the experience that we have in this initial moment of experiencing the baptism of the holy spirit it it, and in some people they get nervous right because in some churches do a poor job teaching it it's almost as though they're saying you know quite get that it's like the at salvation that, that there's a down payment right there's a deposit of God that's that's not right that's not biblical we don't we don't teach that you get all of who God is so you might be saying well Fred if I get all of who God is then then how could there be any other type of encounter well let's look at the life of Jesus and ask that question for him and when you get to Matthew 3 you find that that that's where he was water baptized now he didn't have a water slide like you could have at the Y but still all right I think if there had been one he would have used it That he had an encounter. Are you with me? Jesus himself. Fully God, right? Fully God. But born into this world. Fully man, fully God. But yet even here in the text, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. I'm not telling you that he experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not my point. My point is that if Jesus had all of God inside of him, which we know that he did because we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if Jesus, being fully God in, 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 in ways that we can never fully understand, in ways that we'll never fully attain, even he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It says that the Spirit came and descended down upon him. And then the heavens open and the voice of the Father comes and says, this is my Son that I love with whom I'm well pleased everything about. The Bible's instructive to us. God knew that we were going to wrestle with this question. God knew that people were going to be teaching things that are different from what we're teaching tonight. So in the story itself, in the narrative, that's part of Pentecostal hermeneutics and Pentecostal theology is that we believe that the narrative portions of Scripture are deeply instructive and there is Jesus with all of the Spirit of God inside of Him because He's fully God that even He, there was an encounter that He had with the Spirit that prepared Him for the beginning of his ministry. I'm just saying if, if that's something that, that he wanted to have, shouldn't there be something inside of us that says even though I know that you're living inside of me, if there's more, I want all that you have. I want all that you have. Acts chapter 1, again, we're given this story. Now, I love how this ties together. God is so good at what he does, right? So he's baptized in the Jordan River. At, at the, and that's a, if you look at a map of, of Jerusalem, if you're, if you're looking at the map this way, you've got the Kidron Valley that runs here, and this is the Mount of Olives. And, and there's a little town there called Bethany that's on the Mount of Olives that was in the, the area of, of the Jordan where he was baptized. And hey, guess where he ascended from? Yeah, that's right. He ascended back into heaven from that same place. That's that's part of the the, the text that we're given in Luke 24. And so I think all of that's important. I think where he ascended was was him saying to them, Hey, hey, I've told you to wait in the city because there's an encounter with the spirit that you've not had. And I know you might be thinking that, that, hey, I've already breathed on you, I've got everything that I need, but I think they're remembering three years ago, hey, Jesus himself was in these waters, and we were here, and he experienced the Spirit of God in a powerful and a profound way. So even though I've got all of God inside of me, there's still something else that I'm supposed to long for. If it was that way for him, then maybe it's going to be that way for me. In fact, I know that it is because that's what he's told me to be true. And so as he ascended, he said, go back into the city and you wait. Because the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on you in a way that you have never experienced before, and He's going to well up inside of you. I know He's in there, but I'm about to shake you up, and that you're going to get filled up to overflowing. Like David prophesied in Psalm 23, a cup that's overflowing. Come on, sometimes if you've had something in your hand, right, that's got drained, you begin to agitate it. It begins to fill it up, and that's what God wants to do for us. People sometimes, they come into into services like we have, and and they say, well, that's just a lot of emotion. And I say, you better believe it's emotion because I feel deeply for God, right? Emotion's not bad. You can't live by your emotions. But but how many of you, you're married, and, and, and you've said to your spouse, I'm not, right, I want to be married, but I don't want to feel anything, right? Well, then you can sleep on the couch for the rest of your life if that's how you feel, right? Right, we get it. How many of you have had a child? And the moment you heard that child cry for the first time, right, after they spank him, which I think is the perfect way for every child to start their life. (laughs) And they take that first breath, which we're going to get that this this summer. Come on, because that's a prophetic picture that God put in the world of taking your first spiritual breath. When you heard the sound of that child, don't don't you tell me, I, I don't care if you're the toughest man in the room, you felt something. If you're a father, if you're a man, you feel deeply for people that you love. So can we just get past that? We want our worship services to be filled with emotion. We want our worship services to be filled with passion. We want your journey as a follower of Christ to be filled with truth, but we want it to be filled with feeling. All right. Let me just do this one more, and then we're gonna, we'll come to a stop. I'm going to just give you a couple extra minutes. Is it something that I should expect? So, so maybe you're here tonight and you said, I'm catching up with you, Fred. I'm tracking with you. I'm tracking with you. I can see that there's a, that there's a, a, a textual journey here that establishes for me that when I make a vow of devotion to Christ, that the Spirit of God comes and, 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 and lives in, inside of me. But, but, but is it for me? You, you're tracking? You, you might say, I believe it's true. I just don't believe it's true for me. I believe that it's true. I believe that I have to stop saying that it's not right for others, but but maybe it's not for me. It's not odd to follow a spiritual leader such as Jesus. It's not odd to believe that difficult circumstances build character. It's not odd to join and be devoted to a spiritual community, right? Which is the first three baptisms that we've already spoken of tonight if you talk to people who don't go to church or or maybe they're even an, an atheist i have i have many conversations in my life with people who are atheists when i talk to them about these concepts they might not believe them personally but they don't find me strange because i do you with me that there's a there's just an acceptance to the concept of those first three baptisms but two thousand years later right the church is still struggling to get this fourth one to a place of acceptance in the world today and i think it's because of a lot of bad teaching and i think it's because of a lot of bad practice it is however still considered quite odd to profess having had a supernatural encounter that leaves a person with the ability to pray and worship in a spiritual language i want to read to you acts 239 i'm going to read out of the new american standard uh, Bible that is the most literal translation of the Bible so if you're g- getting beyond reading and into some study th- this should be one that you pick up it's uh, again NASB New American Standard this is Acts 239 let me let me read this to you it says for the promise is for you this is Peter explaining to the people what they've just witnessed and he says hey hey this isn't just for us this is for you What you saw wasn't just so that you could stand outside the looking glass and say, oh, how great it was for them. Peter's saying, hey, no, come on, this is for you and your children and for all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. Now, either you believe that Peter was just overly excited and given to exaggeration in that moment, which we don't believe because if the text reads that way, it's because that's what God wanted us to understand. Peter is making a prophetic declaration for the world to see 2,000 years later. Come on, Peter is up in the heavens. He's saying the same thing. Hey, this is for you. It wasn't just for us. When you're reading and studying in the book of Acts, Peter's down there, right, up there, right, hollering at you. Hope he's not down there. He's up there. He's saying, hey, come on, this is for you. It wasn't just for us. It's it's here to give you a picture of what you should long for. It's here to give you a picture of, of what deep inside you should want for your own life. Those are great pictures, aren't they? I know, loving it. That's the glasses life group on the top there. <laughs> known as the known as the hipster ladies. The hipster ladies. Nate Nawatney's trying to make application to that group. If you saw him, he's got his hipster glasses on tonight. I don't know if he's all right, all right. It's a little dig back, right, for the Facebook post. Yeah. I told him, I said, You're a brave man to make fun of the guy who gets the mic forty minutes a week, right? When you're in the room. All right. Luke twenty-four, twenty-eight through thirty-one. I'm not gonna read it all, but it says by this time they were nearing Emmaus. And the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he were going but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. And so this is a great story. If you've never read it, I, maybe if you don't read anything else, read this one tonight but before before you go to sleep. In, in Luke 24, it's it's where the great, there's a the great ministry. How many of you have ever been on a, an Emmaus walk before? It's a great ministry that's still thriving today. And, and it's based out of this journey that there were these two men that were on their way to the town of Emmaus. And Jesus, it's a, one of the post-resurrection experiences of Christ, and he begins to walk with them. And they don't, want they don't realize that he's the risen lord and 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 they also don't realize that he is christ right so they 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 think that it's a natural person that's walking with them and 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 again they that that god has 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 blinded them uh in a a, a revelation sense and and then as you read in the story it says that their eyes were opened this is an important story for us because we should live our lives this way even if you have been studying this book like me for I'm stepping into my 20, 24th year. There should be something inside of me that says, God, open my eyes to even more. There should, there should never be a time where we say, I got it all figured out, right? I think part of the reason why this story is given to us is to remind us that there's, there's just places that God wants to bring us to to help us see, to help us understand, and that's, and you read in Luke 24, 45, there's this moment of revelation, and I'm, and I'm closing with this, I'm closing with this, this, this verse tonight because that's what I want to ask you to pray. That you would say, God, if, if this crazy guy talking tonight, if he's saying anything that makes sense and anything that's true, I don't want it to, to be because he said it, I want it to be because you showed me. I, I, I want you to pray, I want you to pray a literal prayer tonight that says, God, I am on my road to Emmaus that I'm on a journey in this life and I've set my course and I've got things that I'm doing and places that I'm trying to get to and things that I'm supposed to accomplish but I know Jesus that you're walking with me and there's things that that I, I've just never seen before w- would you open my eyes if this idea of an of an encounter with the spirit of god that that, that if 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 you've made a vow of devotion to Christ and and everything that I'm talking about is new to you or it's not new, but it's never happened to you, that you would just say, Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. I want everything that you have for me. I wanna walk with you and I'm gonna trust that just as you were when you rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, that you're just as alive and just as present in my life today and I want you to still be my revealer. Stand with me and I want to pray for you tonight. Father, we, we, we thank you that, that with you there's always more and that your more is always better. We, we, we thank you God that, 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 that in this life when, when we make a vow of devotion to your son that just as it is on the day that we broke forth from our mother and came into this world that that was just the beginning. And that, that when you bring us to a place where we make a vow of devotion to your son that, that if our attitude and mindset says Whoo, I'm glad that's taken care of heaven has promised I'm just gonna live out my days there would be something in us that would harken back to our birthday of our natural birth and realize that it's the same with you that when we make that vow of devotion and 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 you and you come and live inside of me all of who you are and I take my first spiritual breath there should be something inside of me that says whoa, whoa, whoa this is this is just the beginning just the beginning We want to go deeper, God. We want to experience more. We want to have a heart that's totally and completely surrendered and submitted to you in every way. I just pray over every person that's here right now that all of our hearts would get softer, they'd get more tender, that our hearts would just would just yield to you. The hardness that's there that would just begin to dissipate, the, 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 the firmness, the resistance that's maybe in some people here tonight, that Holy Spirit, that that would just get soft. And there would be a willingness to just yield to you in a deeper way. And everything that you would do in us, that we say, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said together, amen. Have a great holiday weekend, and we'll see you next week.